All right. Well, for some of you guys, my name is Brett. I work at NAS with Christina, but partner with Brad and Nikki and just all these guys here at Orchard to uh, bring this on. I've been doing this for, I think, five or six years, but I also have volunteered with some of these volunteers that have been here forever. I think I've been around for like 10 or 12 years doing this. I remember we were in like the old big house, so it's really neat to be in here with you guys. Uh, tonight, we're going to look at our series we're starting here is called Set Apart. We're going to be in a couple different books of the Bible. So if you have your Bibles out, uh, go ahead. If you have your smartphones, that's cool. We'll be in First Peter, and we'll be in John chapter 18. Um, also, we encourage you guys to bring your Bibles. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, come talk to me or Brad or Nikki or Christina. We want people to have Bibles. Um, we just feel that the Word of God is very, very important um, to have in your lives. And so just if you don't have a Bible, come find one of us. We will get you guys a Bible. But we're going to start this theme verse kind of for this set apart is First Peter 2.9. And we're going to read this real quick here. Um, and then we're going to look into it a little more. But Bradley actually suggested you looking at the message version of this. And um, it is great. The message is a, a version of the Bible that is really uh, user-friendly to read. And so we're going to read it here together. And then we'll, we'll break it down. But it says, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out of for him. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Um, so the reason we chose set apart is from this verse, it's just very clear to us that as we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we are set apart. We're different. Um, later in this chapter, it talks about um, just being sojourners, or like basically what that means is like out of place, aliens, not of this world. And so it's a really cool verse. And the reason we wanted to do this is we know that you guys are put into some situations where sometimes it's hard to choose Jesus. It's hard to be set apart. And so over the next three or four weeks, we're, or ne- over the next three weeks, we're going to look at three um, different places where we think that sometimes for high school students it is hard to be set apart from the world. The first one next week is to be set apart at school. What does that look like to um, be a Christian at school? Sometimes we may think that's pretty easy. Sometimes I think that's a difficult thing. Um, Sometimes it's easy at school to just blend in with the crowd and keep flowing through. Uh, after that, we're going to look like, what does it mean to be set apart in your family? Some of you guys, you, you, you live and grow up in, in great Christian homes, um, places that, with your faith, um, are very, very encouraged to do this. Some of you come from some split families that, you know, sometimes it's, it's difficult to, to survive in, going from one place to another. Some of you may be at home, um, you coming here on a Wednesday night, you're not encouraged or you're not built up to be here. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that. And then the last one, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be set apart when using social media. Um, you guys are, I mean, Twitter is taking over the world, I think. And I think sometimes we don't really understand what does it mean to be a Christian and have a Twitter account. So we're going we're gonna to look into that a little bit. Uh, and it's hard sometimes, man. I, I, I get on there and people tweet about the Hawkeyes and how bad they are, and I want to... I wanna, get right back at them and start yelling and screaming, but I have to understand that there's an audience there and that's going to see that. 
So we're going to take a look, and if you want to turn to 1 Peter 2 right now, we're going to just expand a little bit on this, and I'm going to just talk through maybe some of the key points that I see, and I want hopefully you guys to pick this out. Uh, Yeah, so we're just going to go. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I want to stop real quick and just look at that. Those first few verses, just talking about how when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we automatically are into this what we call a royal priesthood. And what's kind of neat about that is, I'm sure some of you guys that maybe have entered in, you know, have said, I want, I want to follow Jesus. I want him to be a part of your life. You don't probably necessarily identify yourself as a priest. And priest is probably not a good description of like, well, it's one of those deals that like, you are now, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this, but like we think of priests or pastors as these, these guys at the top, you know, like they get it, they got it together. But Jesus, Peter's saying in this verse right here is as soon as you enter into a, a life of, with Jesus, you are a priest, you are royalty, you're at the top because you are in communion with the Father. A holy nation. A people for his own possession. I love that. A people for his own possession. Like, I belong to God. Like, God, my Father in heaven. He, I belong to him. What a, what a cool thing to belong to God. As I become a Christian, as I believe in Jesus, my Savior, I become something. I belong to something. I think in this world, that's the hardest thing for high school students. We want to belong to something. That's where it gets a little cloudy when we're at school sometimes or on sports teams where maybe it's a little bit more difficult to set yourself apart because you want to belong. You want to belong to a friendship group. You want to belong to a team. You, want to, you, know, you just want to be a part of something. And when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are his possession. And it says, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. Uh, the message part says, so that we can talk about the day and night difference that God, that Jesus has done in our lives. Um, I'm no different. Uh, I could spend an hour telling you guys about how, what Jesus has done in my life and how I'm a night and day per- different person. Um, I just think back to high school um, and the early parts of college, and, and I would assume which I probably need to go to a high school reunion to maybe talk to some of my old friends or, or see some of the people that like I wasn't really friends with in high school, but I knew them. But I would assume, because this has happened a few times, remember this at Caravan, uh, Colorado. Anybody go on the Car- Caravan in Colorado, the last one? It was awesome. Uh, ran into a girl from high school there that she's a youth leader in southern Minnesota. And uh, it's classic reaction. I was like, oh, Hey, Maggie, how's it going? She's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in such a long time. She goes, this probably wouldn't be the place that I would think that you're going to be here, you know? And <laughs> I mean, it's funny because that's right. The way I was living in high school, the way I was living in, in college, um, if you'd asked me if I was a Christian, um, I would have identified that, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I wasn't following Christ. I wasn't part of this royal priesthood, a holy nation. Um, I was living a me nation, and, uh, and so it just, you know, when we enter into the, it's, it's just, Peter's telling us, 
talk, tell people about what a difference he's made in your lives. And I've seen a lot of you guys having conversations, even coming off this summer. God has done a work in your life, and the only explanation for that is Jesus on the cross. Verse 10 is amazing, too. It says, once you were not a people, so once you were apart from me, apart from God, and now you are God's people. There it is again, his own possession. You're God's possession once you enter into that life. That's good. We're going to move on to, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, we're going to move, move on a little bit. What I want to set up a little bit of the goals of this, and we're going to go back to Peter here in a minute because Peter's a really interesting guy in the Bible. But So some of you guys in here, you guys are following Christ, and you said, I want to be a Christ follower. And so what we want to do with this is we want to help you guys be equipped. We want you to be able to go into those areas that we talked about, and we want you to be able to serve Jesus and be set apart, and be bold, and be courageous. And really what we'd like to do with this you know, community here is for you guys to rely on each other in those situations. Because sometimes you can feel all alone. And that's what we want to do with this. We also want for you guys to be able to learn how to bring glory to what God's done in your life. Right? I mean, some of you guys, you can say an amen to it, right? You know what he's done in your life. Well, part of it is, is let people know. And we want to encourage you guys. What can you do? How can you stand out and say, yes, look at what Jesus has done in my life. And, and if we go beyond in, into this, this chapter, I want to, I know I skipped, I knew I skipped something, but uh, verse 12, it just says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And basically what that's saying in long and short is people are going to watch you. As you identify with Christ, they're going to wait for you to fail, Right? And this life of pursuing Jesus is we're trying to pursue him. We're trying to, to follow him. But we're going to fail. Like, I'm going to fail. We're always going to fail. And that's the beauty of what Jesus does. And we're going to see this in Peter. Peter failed miserably. And Jesus, with his love and his grace, entered him back in. And so the idea of that is people are going to come after you. You're going to say that. You're going to make changes in your life because you're following Jesus and your friends or even maybe some of your friends that self-identify as Christians, they're going to say, just wait, just wait. How many times do you guys hear that on, on a caravan trip or any sort of uh, trip that you go on? Maybe, you know, a, a mission trip or whatever trip you go on, a church trip. You come back, you're so pumped up about Jesus. You, you know, you're so excited. God's been doing something in your work, something, doing something in your life. And I've had conversations with kids. Just wait. Two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month, they're going to fail. What I want to encourage some of you guys that have, that have been on these trips and that have done that is when your friends around you start failing, the worst thing that you can do, the worst thing that you can do is turn your back, not encourage them, not pick them up. Because they know. Any, every, when, I, when I really turned my life over to Christ, I had so much garbage in my life that I failed miserably for probably the first five to six years of my just walk. And I still do every day. It's just different failures. But I had my, some of my closest Christian friends would just kind of rag on me a little bit and kind of dog me out. And there's a, definitely a time and a place for admonishing and, and calling people out a little bit. But, but part of that is, is how do you do it? Like we know we screw up. You guys know when that happens. 
And the way Jesus does it is he loves first, and then he says, hey, stop sinning. Start following me. And that's the encouragement I want you guys to have. You go on these trips, and you have these monumental changes in your life. The friends around you, be a community. This place can be a community, just like on Caravan, right? The, the greatest thing that happened on there was this sense of community, and there wasn't a lot of judgment, and there wasn't a lot of this, you know, you're going to fail. It's the encouragement. We've got to remember that. So for those of you that maybe say, well, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not, well, we hope through this series, through this whole year, that you ask the hard questions to yourself, to your friends around you, to your small group leaders. What does it mean? How am I supposed to live my life? Help me. Encourage me. Hopefully, there's some of you in here that are going to commit your lives to Jesus through this year, through this series. Because you want to be a part of that royal priesthood, that holy nation, that possession of God. You want to belong to a family. I want to look at Peter real quick because... We can look at some of these books in the Bible and we can say, well, these guys that wrote the Bible, they had it all together. And really, they're not that much different than we are. So Peter is this guy that that Jesus kind of calls with his apostles, this group of his followers. And Jesus has been walking with, or Peter has been walking with Jesus for a while. And it gets to this kind of point where uh, Jesus knows what's coming. Um, You know, Judas kind of gives him up. And uh, they take him away. They take Jesus away. They arrest him. And Peter, you know, before in the garden was all ready to fight, ready to roll. Uh, he was ready to get after it. Uh, and then he kind of, Jesus gets arrested, and it's a little bit more dicey, a little, a little bit intense. Gets kind of, you know, gets turned up a little bit, as you guys would maybe refer to it. It gets crazy. And so Peter kind of pulls back a little bit. Uh, earlier, Jesus had really told Peter that this is going to happen. And Peter said, no, no, not me. I'm all for it, man. I'm, 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 I'm 100% in, Jesus. And so Peter kind of follows him in, watching what's happening. The first girl comes up to him, says, oh, you also are, are not one of those men. Aren't, you're one of these guys' disciples, right? You know who Jesus is. Peter says, no, oh, no, I'm not. You know, Pete. Jesus gets kind of beat on, you know, roughed up a little bit more. Somebody else says, hey, um, I've seen you with him. Um, I know you're a foreigner. Like, you're with that guy. Peter's like, no, not, don't know him. Don't know who he is. Then finally, someone comes, finally the last person comes up to Peter. And in a couple of the other gospels, he gets a little annoyed that they keep asking him this. And he goes, I don't know that man. I don't know him. And as soon as that happens... The rooster crows. It's like a light goes on in Peter's head. And he he just basically loses it, weeps. Because in that moment that he had this opportunity to stand for Jesus, he kind of freaked out. Which I'd assume I'm in that situation. I'd be tough for a lot of you guys in that situation. Maybe in your life. Maybe imprisonment, pretty tough. And in true Jesus fashion, if you know Jesus, if you read about him in, in the Gospels, a couple chapters later, uh, actually, after he does something pretty cool, he dies, then he rises again, 
comes to Peter. It's Jesus talking to Peter. He says, do you love me? Jesus says, yes. You know that I love you, Lord. Well, Peter, you didn't really act like you loved me before. I'm sure that's not what Jesus said, but I mean, it didn't really seem like that a couple chapters ago. Jesus says, feed my lambs. So he asks him again, he says, do you love me? He says, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. So he does it a third time. I wonder if that means anything, huh? A third time. He goes, do you love me? And by this time again, for evidently with Peter, if you ask him something three times, he gets a little bit frustrated. He goes, well, yes. You know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. That's what Jesus was doing in pure Jesus fashion. After we walk away, we fail him time and time again. He accepted. He brings, Jesus, he brings Peter back. And basically, this whole deal of saying, feed my lambs, feed my, tend my sheep, is telling Peter, then lead my church. Peter goes on to lead the church, and that's where we get some of these the early church, he was one of the, the main guys of spreading the, Jesus' name and, and going out and, and really setting up the first church. And that's where we get uh, these letters that Peter wrote. He was an eyewitness to this stuff, and he, he bought in. As soon as this happens, I mean, he saw it happen. He bought in. I want to share this last verse before we leave tonight. Um, it's at the end of First Peter uh, 2. And I, I just really would suggest you guys, even after tonight, go back and read through First Peter uh, 1 and 2. Just some great, uh, just a good revelation of who Peter is um, and maybe what he is, he's all about and why, especially after knowing what, you know, how Jesus uh, showed his love and mercy to, to Peter, and especially in his, in his darkest failures. Um, we'll start in verse 22. It said, this is Peter talking about Jesus. He said, he committed no sin, Neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he, when he, when he was revealed, reviled, reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He kept entrusting himself to God, who is our judge. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin that, may, that we may join in this holy priesthood, right? When we die to our sin, we become a possession of God. And this is, I mean, here's the gospel right here. By his wounds, by his wounds, you have been healed. For you were strained like sheep, but now, have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. I don't know about you guys, but uh, my life has been a little different lately. Um, I think I allowed myself to kind of get choked out by the world. And reading this right here, man, like fills my soul. Like I just like get excited to be able to read this because... Jesus died for my sins. By his wounds, I am healed. And some of you in here, 
You know Jesus, and you know what I'm talking about. Some of you in here, maybe you don't. Well, maybe tonight's that night that your wounds will be healed, and it's easy. It's saying, Jesus, I want you to fill that gap in my life. I want you to take over my life so that I can then talk about the great things that you've done in my life, the night and day difference. It's tough. Talk about that wide road, that narrow path. Narrow path is tough. Wide road's pretty easy to walk through. It's ready for you guys, man. It's ready. And if you're ready to do that, then you just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want to commit my life to you. I want to start walking down that narrow path. And there are people in here. There's a community in here. There's students in here. There's adult leaders in here. There are people that want to help you down that path because it's hard. And there are going to be people that want to rip you off the path, take you away from um, just leading that life of um, loving Jesus and loving people. And so tell somebody about it. Find some friends. Find a community. You're going to have an opportunity to sign up for a small group tonight. What a great place to be in community with other people. And no, you're going to fail. I'm going to fail. Even the kids around you that are loving Jesus, they're going to fail. Yeah, man, you guys can come up. Sorry. Forgot to invite you up. 